You know, Daniel, when I talk to people, sometimes I feel like that they are a world away. And that's how I kind of feel right now. Yeah, I, I feel you. I've, you know, we're emotionally close, but in some ways I've never been so, uh, so distant from you during a, during a recording. Geographically far. I thought about that's you right. a lot. And I just wanted to tell you on a serious note, I know we like to have fun and, and everything, but I just want to tell you that I really appreciate all that you're doing and where you are. And would you like to go ahead and tell people where you are? Like, I appreciate that a lot. To, to Max, you, you, you make, you make me, you make me better. Is what I'm trying to say. And you, I admire you. I, I'd have to, I had to wait until you got on the other side of the world before I could tell you that. But, uh, you, you make me, you make me better and I admire you and I want to be like you one day. Well, the feeling is mutual. I appreciate that a lot. Um, so to let the dear listener in on what it is we're talking about, I'm uh, over in East Africa right now, Tanzania, uh, and you're back there in our, our studio in uh, Glasgow, Kentucky. Uh, so that's, uh, that's what we're talking about here. So I'm actually eight hours ahead of you. I'm, I'm coming to you from almost 5 a.m. tomorrow morning, so I'm talking to you from the future. Well, we had an episode about traveling back in time, but you've actually gone in forward into time. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, yeah, but I can't tell you anything that's about to happen. That's that kind of breaks the rule. Will you watch the news and tell me what's happening or what's going to happen? That'd be awesome. <laughs> be like one of those Back to the Future deals. Well, we're actually going to the future. Wait, are we going back? I get confused. We're going back. We're going forward. We're going forward. Okay. Back would have been yes. It would have been yesterday. But the Back to the Future thing, if you can tell us who won the World Series, that's what they wanted to know in Back to the Future. Or who won, who won, who's going to win the Wheel of Fortune tomorrow? That'd be <laughs> all. Or something. If, you could, if you could text me some of the <laughs> solutions to those puzzles. Is there a lot of gambling action on Wheel of Fortune? I, I don't know. I'm not really plugged into I don't know. I just, I just watched Pat Sajak. He's been around since Hector was a pup. He's been around for a long time doing that <laughs> stuff. So, uh but I'm just thankful that you are in East Africa. We miss you here, but we appreciate the work that you're doing there. So when you think about, I guess, just tell our dear listeners where you've been, where you are, and where you're going from a mission standpoint as a missionary. Okay. Well, I coordinate uh, Tanzania Missions, uh, which is a, a work that is kind of centered in Arusha, Tanzania, but it uh, it touches a large portion of East Africa. Uh, kind of the keystone of our work is the Andrew Connolly School of Preaching, which is, is here on the outskirts of Arusha. And we have students that come to us from, um, from Kenya, from all over Tanzania. We've had them from uh, the Congo, from uh, South Sudan, from Ethiopia, from Uganda, uh, altogether about six East African countries have sent guys to us and we've trained them and sent them back. Uh, and so the Lord's kingdom is, is being touched in a broad way. And, uh, and the, the point of all that is, you know, like you say, all souls are important. You know, souls are important. That's, that's what it's, that's what it's all about. That's what everything 
is about is is souls and trying to touch eternity. Um, so we uh, trained the guys up here, and in my you know since the last time you and I talked, uh, and we've been here for a couple of months now, and um, I've traveled from the southern border of Tanzania, uh, there on the shores of Lake Nyasa, uh, all the way up to Matunda, Kenya, which is uh, halfway up through Kenya. Tanzania is about the same size as Texas. Daniel, you said that Tanzania is about the size of Texas. You've put a lot of miles on your car. I'm just curious, what uh, what are you using to get around over there? Well, we've got a, an old uh, Land Cruiser that uh, gets us around. It's uh, Some of the places we go over here, you've got to have a, a pretty stout four-wheel drive. Uh, it's just 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 necessary. Uh, we get off the beaten path pretty good sometimes. Is it a pretty durable? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's it's stout. Reason why I ask is today I had a uh, I took a group of kids to the one and only place the Corvettes are made in Bowling Green, Kentucky, and I went, we went to the Corvette Museum and I saw some pretty stoutly priced vehicles today, upwards of around ninety thousand dollars for a two seater. So. Yeah, as as nice as the Corvette is, that's not really the vehicle you want to be driving around here. Really? You don't want to – you can't outrun anybody? Do what? You can't outrun – you could probably outrun some people in that, though, I would say. Well, I mean, yeah, you'd have the, the power and speed to outrun people, but uh, the road's not, not built for speed uh, around here, and you'd shake that Corvette apart. Well, we're just talking about the speed of, of the gospel. Uh, how much work, how many hours do you think you spend per day doing mission work? Well, all of them, you know, in, in some respect or another, right? Uh, that's, you know, whether you're in a Bible study or you're uh, organizing things or you're preparing yourself for things uh, or you're working on your relationship with God, all of it is a, a part of a part of mission work and a part of evangelism. Um, you know, I just had, had two questions, I guess, to kind of dovetail into that is, first of all, what kind of lit your fire to, to be a missionary or what, what kind of pushed you or led you to that direction? And I was wanting you to speak about Mr. Conley, about An- Andrew Conley. I'm not familiar okay. with him. I, and our dear listeners may want to know more about him and how they can support that effort. Okay. Um, well, I guess what initially put missions on the table for me as a thing that real people do and uh, a viable option was when I was a child, my dad was an African missionary. We did uh, mission work in Cameroon, Africa, which is on the West coast of Africa. Now I'm on the East coast of Africa. Uh, so it's a, a different environment, but nonetheless, we spent three years living in Cameroon when I was a child. That didn't necessarily make me want to be a missionary, but like I said, it did put mission work on the table as a, real thing that real people do because our family did it. Um, You mentioned Andrew Connolly, where he comes into the story is when I was uh, about to go into eighth grade, he recruited my parents along with Sean Stephanie Stafford to join the mission work in Chamala, Tanzania, which is down in the Southern part of Tanzania. Um, Now, as it happens, we, 
were ultimately not able to uh, go along with that and fulfill it because my mom uh, developed when well, we found that she had breast cancer. And so we had to stay and, and have that, uh, that treated. But that created an interest in Tanzania specifically you know, for me. Well, when I was in college at Fried Hardeman uh, in 2000, there was a, a Safari for Souls, is what we called it, a campaign group that was going to be going to Tanzania. Well, I was interested in campaigning and I was interested in Tanzania because we'd almost moved there and I wanted to see uh, the country and what, what that was about. So Tiffany and I joined the campaign and we got here and I was very interested in uh, the country, the people, uh, appreciated the the mission style. Uh, I appreciated Cy Stafford, who was uh, organizing the, the mission here at the time and um, ultimately wanted to be a, a part of that work one day. Well, we weren't ready to do it yet. Tiffany and I were newlyweds. There were other things we wanted to do in life. Uh, we wanted to uh, get some things started and, and maybe one day would come around in some more convenient time and we would move to Africa and be a part of this work. Well, ultimately, um, we found that life was not getting more convenient, but less convenient as we had you know, more kids and uh, you know, parents began to age. And, and there just you know, are different things that uh, make life less convenient instead of more convenient. So we decided if we were ever going to be involved in this work full time, we were going to have to pick an inconvenient time to do so. So that's what we did. We picked an inconvenient time and we moved to Africa and spent uh, three years here full time. Um, and that's kind of how, how we got involved in it. Now, you asked uh, again about Andrew Connolly specifically. He was a pioneer in uh, East African mission work. Uh, I guess he, he kind of was uh, the first or one of the, the first missionaries uh, here in Tanzania. He began the work down in, um, in Chamala that I referenced earlier. And like I said, he met, he recruited Cy Stafford. And so he was kind of Cy's mentor. And Cy came up here to Arusha eventually and kind of based his efforts uh, up in this area. And Cy became my mentor. Cy has since passed on and is enjoying his eternal reward now. Um, but that's sort of the, the uh, lineage of missions here. It's, it started with Andrew Connolly was passed on to Cy Stafford, and now, now I'm coordinating the work here. I'm switching gears just a little bit, um, but still sticking to mission work and evangelism. I know that you have done some work stateside in the U.S., I'm sure, uh, when you were a Bible student, and or maybe after that, I'm sure. But uh, what's the difference, would you say, in terms of approach between stateside mission work and uh, international mission work as far as just, well, just basic Bible, setting up a basic Bible study. Yeah, evangelism in general, here versus other places in the world. Well, you know, the, the gospel itself doesn't change. You know, you just put it in uh, a different cultural context. Sometimes it's kind of compared to like a, uh, you know, you've got a container of water and imagine water is, is the gospel and you pour it from one a cup into another cup, and some of the contours are uh, a little different, but the substance uh, is is the same as it sits within that cultural context. Um, so one thing that happens is you begin to 
spend a lot of time thinking about, well, what aspects of what we do are uh, essential gospel and what aspects are just uh, part of our, our culture and what that looks like in you know, our, own, uh, our own particular setting. But like I said, the, the gospel itself doesn't change. So there are the, the key aspects of evangelism really aren't that different. The biggest thing that's different uh, here in places like this is the evangelism is easier. The, the soul maybe is, is better prepared. I think that in a lot of, a lot of more wealthy countries where uh, people are not having to think about their uh, subsistence on a, on a daily basis as much, uh, maybe there's a, a less spiritual focus that naturally comes to people. Uh, people here are naturally uh, very spiritual. Uh, they're very interested. Bible studies here are, well, they're, they're just easy to set up. You can uh, walk down the street and start up a Bible study with, with almost anybody. Uh, the only limiting factor as to how many Bible studies you can have here is how much time you have to give to it. Whereas back home, setting up those Bible studies can can be tricky. It's it's just more uh, more difficult. Um, they're not quite as westernized here in, in the idea that you know back home they're sort of among a lot of people the idea that you know how dare you try to win somebody else over to uh, to your religion or your way of thinking? How dare you imply that they're wrong or that there's only a one path to God or one absolute truth? That that kind of idea is offensive to a lot of people in American culture and Western culture in general. They're not that way here. They they understand largely that um, you know what, what you're doing. They understand the need for evangelism and the purpose of evangelism, whether they agree with all of your conclusions or not, the idea that you want to study the Bible and come together on an understanding of, of what it teaches is not offensive at all. That's a natural and expected thing. You kind of touched on a couple of things I was thinking about. Um, I think in the, in the U S and I know the, the Western culture, we might say it does seem like that we are so, um, individualistic and it's about we're definitely in, in a me culture and that we like our country and we like our homes and you know like i think about the museum which was very nice by the way that i toured today uh you know i was just amazed that uh you know what i guess that's that's held up in our society that this one thing that museum that how much we are so in love with the world and so much in love with our things and our toys and our developments that we just, uh, I think, kind of lose everything in the smoke of our busyness uh, of what's really important, and that's eternity. And I th- so I think that that contributes to, you know, being an industrialized country is nice, but also it's we don't we don't have to labor for things like we used to, and so we just kind of don't have a great need to reach out for assistance, maybe. But you know what? And this is this is Joe talking to Joe here. Daniel mentioned Joe talking to Joe. Yeah, this I didn't is, know it. So we've got a fourth person now. This is me talking to that's myself. All, that's really. awesome. That could be dangerous. But um, Daniel mentioned a second ago um, they were going to wait for a convenient time, and then he realized there there's not going to be a convenient time. You have to make a convenient time, and sometimes I feel like um, myself. 
maybe I wait for an opportunity. I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. Well, sometimes you need to create an opportunity. You need to step out first and approach someone first instead of just sitting back waiting for them for for a, a golden moment. Does that make sense to you? And I'm I'm bad about that is that I, by by nature, I'm a little shy when I first meet folks. I know that's hard for you to believe, but I, I am. <laughs> He's looking at me like I got three heads and one's on fire. Well, I've got four people on the podcast now, <laughs> so I'm really nervous. But I, 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 what my point is, we don't need to wait for a convenient time here either. Um, if we have something important we need to say, well, then we need to get out and and evangelize. Evangelism isn't even though it might be easier to strike up a Bible study in other places in the world like Tanzania doesn't mean there's not Bible studies happening here either. Can I give you just a, a real quick example? There's someone we do business with, our church does locally. And this gentleman is, he told me he is, uh, he grew up as, he grew up Hindu. And he's told me he showed up in the U.S. with four bags. That's all he owned as a 14 year old. He came to the U.S. with his parents. So I'm, I'm working on setting up a Bible study with this gentleman. I'm working on it. But I, what Daniel touched upon this gentleman is 26 years old, super nice, super great to work with. And we do a lot of business with him. And he, uh, I begin to ask him about religion. He, uh, he says that he's wanting to send his children to Christian, a Christian school. He said his sister graduated from a Christian university, not too far from here. And so I'm like, well, hey, that's the opening. But I noticed real quick, Daniel, that he was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. He said, you need to talk to my dad about some of the religious you know, questions that you have and things like that. So, but anyway, I, that's another podcast, but I just think about what Daniel says that even here in the U S this gentleman who, you know, came from somewhere else, but yet he's already developed that really doesn't want to have that conversation. Well, Daniel, I'm going to lob you a softball here. Why, why should we evangelize? What's the big deal with evangelism? Why, why should we do that? Well, one, because, you know, God tells us to. Um, but aside from obedience, I think love constrains us to. Because if if you believe that the Bible is true, which, of course, we do, and I think probably uh, a great percentage of our, of our listeners do, then you know that there is a, there's a day of reckoning coming and that there is something after this life. This life is just the, the beginning uh, for us in, in most respects, really. And so we got to get ready for that next life. Um, you know, I think about in John chapter six, Jesus at the beginning of the chapter has a, a large group of people following him. And then he offers up some hard teachings, some things that, that they, they didn't want to hear and they didn't like. And most of them turned uh, back from following him. And then verse 66 says, you know, as a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. So Jesus said to the 12, you do not want to go away also, do you? And Simon Peter answered him. I love Simon Peter's answer here. He's, I love so much of what Peter says anyway, just his, uh, his, his, his passion, his sincerity. And what he says here is, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Peter's right. There's no place else to go for the words of eternal life. There's no place else to go for what we absolutely need 
to know to get to the next life with um, where we can have a a better, more perfect relationship with God than through Jesus and, and his teachings and his disciples. And so if you understand that that's the greatest need, let me underscore that again, the greatest need that everyone has is for Jesus. Well, then love constrains us that we want to spread that message of Jesus as as far as we can. We want to find those uh, receptive hearts and and get the, the word to them. We want to uh, make it available as near and far as as we can. Uh, because again, that's everyone's greatest need. And with the, I think when we capitalize on everyone's greatest need, could we say that the one thing that we need to show in order to open the door, just like my friend who I'm working on to have a Bible study with and others that I'm connected to that you're connected to is, isn't compassion still a way to begin a conversation or to show how much we care about someone. I've also always heard it said that nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. Yeah, absolutely. That is absolutely true. Although, you know, I've, I've had, I've heard that saying a lot and I I don't know. I also sort of have some second thoughts uh, about it. I think people don't care how much, you know, until they know, that they need your knowledge. <laughs> like when you're, uh, you know, when you're, you've got a disease or something and you're seeking out uh, who knows how to deal with that disease, who, who has the information that you need, isn't always necessarily uh, the person that loves you the most. It's not, you know, if you need that bone set, your, your spouse or your mom, you know, whoever, they might care the most about you, but they may not be in the best position to, help you with your needs. So you're, you're seeking out that, that knowledge. Um, but to your point, compassion absolutely is vital. And that Jesus went about doing good things. The, the Bible says, and if we're following his footsteps, we want to do that. And the motivation for those good things is to bring glory to Christ. You know, in Matthew chapter five, in the sermon on the Mount, uh, as Jesus is talking about his followers being the light of the world, he says in verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket. But on the lampstand, it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way they may see your good works. Why? And glorify your Father who is in heaven. The whole purpose of the good works is to bring glory and honor and point people to, to Jesus. Um, which brings out an aspect of the good that we do. Humanitarian work is is important, and it's uh, it's it's worthwhile within itself. Uh, but the Christian humanitarian work wants to be done with an eye towards pointing people to God. Um, why not use benevolence as an opportunity for evangelism? Why not use the physical felt needs that people have as you're uh, fulfilling those as an opportunity to open doors for the, the greater spiritual needs that they have. They may not realize uh, that they have. Because well, that's something that the Lord did. Uh, he fed people too when he was preaching to them. Absolutely. Yes. Yes, he did that. 
I was thinking maybe compassion could light the fire within us when we show compassion. I mean, that creates awareness in ourselves. I think about, and I always, where I'm going is Matthew chapter 9, beginning in verse 35. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among them. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then he said unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. So I guess I was thinking about compassion. You know, people do need, they they must desire what you want to share. But I was, compassion should cause us to be ready at a moment's notice, kind of like the Mayberry Minutemen that Andy used to talk about, just being ready. That compassion should show us to always be have our antenna up looking. Well, I got, um, Daniel, we've got about five minutes left. Um, first of all, I had to do this in the last episode, too. That's kind of behind-the-scenes stuff, but we got about five minutes left. But um, I wanted to ask you, because a lot of people think in order to approach someone and do a Bible study, you have to have a Ph.D. in Bible knowledge uh, to do this, and that's not true. Um you can evangelize, you can spread the word, and and not you know not have all the answers. But I wanted to ask you, whenever you do a Bible study, what's your approach over there? You said you can walk up and down the street and just do them if you wanted to. What do you usually? How does it go? I guess is what I'm getting at. How does it go whenever you approach someone for a Bible study? Well, you're completely right that you don't ha- need to wait until you have a, a doctorate in uh, in Bible in order to start doing Bible studies. Um, don't wait until you're an expert. One, one reason is because there's always more to learn uh, about the Bible. And it, it's true for me and it's true for people that uh, uh, that know a lot more about the Bible than I do. The more you study the Bible, the more you learn. There's you, like you never learn it all. You're never a complete expert that has every blank and hole filled in. Uh, so you, if, if you're waiting for that, you'll wait forever and, and you'll never start telling people. So I think the, the place to start, my, my favorite passage about evangelism really is Mark chapter five, which is dealing with um, the man that was possessed by legion. He was the man that was living in the uh, cemetery he was possessed by this legion of of demons and his life had been wrecked by that he was a menace to himself and everybody else jesus cast these demons out of him and he wants to follow jesus with him but jesus uh he wants to follow with jesus but jesus turns him back and says no you know basically i i need you here verse 19 says he didn't let him didn't let him come with him but he said to him go home to your people and report to them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he had mercy on you. I think that's where evangelism starts, is by telling what great things the Lord has done for you. you got to un- believe that God has done great things for you, understand that he has, and then you, you start there. And I think it's important in a personal Bible study to come at it from an aspect of humility where you're say, you're not saying, hey, I've got all the answers, I've got everything figured out, but you're, you're saying, the Bible is where the answers are found. The Bible has what we need. Let's go to the Bible together 
and reason together from the scriptures about those things. So you're setting up the Bible as the authority, not yourself. And so if there's a, a weakness in, in the study, you're already admitting, Hey, I, I don't know everything. So there may be something that comes up, you know, here you deal with some different questions. A lot of the questions are the same, but uh, some stuff you deal with here. One time somebody asked me, what if I'm going down to uh, the river to be baptized and I get eaten by a crocodile? Okay, so th- this was a legitimate fear here for him. Right? Right. <laughs> that, that's something that you're not getting in Glasgow, Kentucky very often. Right. Uh, you also a lot of times have to deal with polygamy here. That's a, a widespread thing. Um, you don't have that as much in Glasgow either. But a lot of the questions, a lot of the core doctrines that are taught by various uh, groups that believe the Bible are are the same. And so you're still you're still dealing with a lot of the same questions. But the point is, you set the Bible up as the authority. Let's reason from the scriptures instead of well, I think, you think, he thinks. Uh, you can keep that stuff out of as much as possible, and, and let. If somebody's going to argue, let them argue with the scriptures. Daniel, I have learned a lot about what you do, more about what you do. Is that your ride? <laughs> That's coming. Are y'all about to go to work? We, that... just, we just heard a horn honk somewhere. Okay. I thought that was Daniel's. <laughs> I, heard I, that thought the... I don't think it was Daniel's. Okay. Anyhow, keep going, Alan. Okay. Well, I'm just, I thought, well, they're really jumping, you know, raring to go. They're going. Somebody's uh, tooting their own horn. I don't know. They really are tooting their own <laughs> there horn. There it was. Yeah. I was waiting for the dad joke of the day, and there it was. Yeah, the dad joke of the day. I, uh, <laughs> I was just going to end with this as we kind of head down the, the back stretch with the dad joke of the day is, you know, what I gather from mission, what you do and what we all strive to do is it requires really three things, I think, desire, time, and effort. you got to have desire to seek uh, Jesus. You have a desire to share that with others, share Jesus with others. And you take some time and it takes effort, desire, time, and effort. And when we, anytime I think we engage in evangelism, regardless of where we are, we think about prayer, opportunity, work, and teaching, and then offer the invitation. And as Daniel, you know, so eloquently stated that, you know, our job is to plant the seed and share the word that if people want to rebel against that, they're arguing with scripture and not us. Our, our job is to be a planter and a sower and a harvester and, and a helper, and God will give the increase. I think that's, that's a great place for us to, to wrap things up. I appreciate um, what you've said. I appreciate our producer, Big Show Joe, has had to put in some extra work for uh, this episode as we're trying to record remotely. And we want to thank the elders at the South Green Street Church of Christ for making uh, this possible. We want to thank you, our dear listener, for uh, joining us and want to, as we're talking about evangelism, ask you to share our podcast uh, with those that uh, that might need Christ. And we uh, hope that they would receive benefit and blessing from that. Share your faith. Share what great things God has done for you. And let that be a, a starting point, a jumping off point to uh, sharing your faith uh, with others. Uh, as you're uh, sharing in this podcast, don't forget to give it a, a five-star a review give us a, a good rating let you know let us know what you think and send us an email we'd love to hear from you hear about your experiences with uh, 
sharing your faith, to hear about how you came to Christ. I love to hear people's conversion stories. I love to hear how uh, people learned the truth and, and what circumstances were going on in their life that made them uh, receptive at that time. Email us and let us know that. We'd love to hear it. So uh, until next time, keep soul training. Soul training. Time to practice what you preach. Yes, we do. We've got soul training. To learn more, you can email us at soultrainingpodcast at gmail.com or you can write to us, P.O. Box 503, Glasgow, Kentucky, 42142. That's soul training.